0: hello and welcome to the patchwork jukebox a podcast where we use the songs and albums that matter to you to stitch together the story of your life I'm big boy and I'm Pinnell, and we're very excited to be here
1: so let's go Oh, what's up, everybody out there? We're excited to be here for another episode of the Patchwork Jukebox. And I'm really excited. Um, we've we've had a couple of guests at this point, but we've got our first bona fide musician on the show right. today. And so we're excited to hear about that. Today, we have none other than an old friend of mine, and uh, I would say just a phenomenal musician from start to finish. His name is Brandon McGovern. Brandon, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys.
1: It's really it's good to, to have you here. here. Um, a li- for our listeners, that uh, a little background for me and Brandon. And Brandon, I have a funny story I thought of last night. I'm going to share with you. You may not even remember this. I doubt you do. Um, but so Brandon and I, Brandon was two years ahead of me in school um, when we went to Crump Elementary. So Brandon's 75 years old, something like that, yep. <laughs> right? And so, and so. Um, Come and I was a, a fledgling wannabe basketball player. So I as I know Brandon now as a musician at the time I knew Brandon as the greatest basketball player I had ever known. He but so we thought he was like just this great player at for the Crump Cougars. Um and then eventually he he traded on us and went to Germantown. That was that was a hard time for all of us <laughs> cougar fans. But,
2: but I, was I, I, I,
1: Yeah, I bet it was. You know, to go from the a cougar to a devil, that's that's kinda tough, but yeah, I probably
2: should have just just I probably should have just stayed put. But anyways, let's not digress. Keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I I just remember one of these stories. I don't we, we grew up in the same neighborhood and we we knew each other. We weren't necessarily like close friends, but my friend Hunter Greenmore, he lived near Brandon. and we'd play basketball, different things. And Brand, I don't know if you remember a guy that lived not too far from Hunter around the corner. His name was Chris Holly. Do you remember Chris? Sure
2: do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Me and Chris would play basketball at his house every day. And I just I remember to this day, um, there were two guys that we looked up to in basketball. It was a guy named Travis King and Brandon McGovern. And you and Travis, for some reason, were passing the house one day, and, and Chris was just talking some smack and decided to challenge you guys. And I remember, I, I'm pretty certain you guys weren't trying, but we beat you in a game by one point. And I, I, I held on to that game in Chris's <laughs> um, Chris's driveway for about 25 years to validate my athleticism. So I'd like to tell you, you were a big part of me. I do remember that. You were a big that. part of me thinking good about myself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I remember that. You know, Travis King was a great player too. I've, I've actually talked to Travis a couple of times. It's just, it hasn't been, you know, recently. But we've we've corresponded on Facebook. He's he's still out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing well. That just and so that's kind of our background. I knew Brandon as a basketball player, and then um, years later, one of my really good friends, Marty Christopher, was in a band with Brandon, and he said, "You might know Brandon." I was like, "Oh my gosh! I beat Brandon in basketball once, right?" <laughs> and so, and so when you guys were playing, uh, I th- you had a couple different names, I think, the Clouds or the Hang Gliders or something like that, and you guys were playing bars around Memphis, and I, I would come watch you and drink some beers with you guys, and that's kind of how we reconnected. So it's And then we've kind of just stayed uh, social media friends since then.
2: Yeah, that was a good band, the Hang Gliders. Yeah, that was a good band. Yeah, yeah I remember we you were. guys
1: did some really good stuff. And so anyway, Brandon, that's how I know you, but – if you don't mind taking a minute and just kind of telling our listeners a little bit about um, how, like your, your journey in music, just a little bit of like a, a little bio, if, whatever you want to share.
2: Uh, well, once I got over to Germantown, I met a guy named Ted Horrell, who is a, a, a top-notch uh, Americana, a, a sort of country rock singer-songwriter, and he had a group that needed a singer. And Marty was actually in that. Marty Christopher was in that band, too. That band was called Broken Silence and we, we, we did, you know, sorority swaps and that sort of stuff. And um, Ted went off to school and me and Marty tried to keep it together, but it, it ended up fizzling out. And from there, um, I decided that you kinda at that point in your life and in your career, I guess, if you're gonna do music, and, and this is not always the case, but usually the case, you have to decide what you're gonna do. Are you gonna play other people's music or are you gonna right. play your own music? Mm-hmm. And of course, playing your own music is a tougher road to hoe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I decided that I was going to do my own music. So I started writing songs and uh, had a couple of songwriting partners and whatnot. And eventually found my way. I was born and raised in Memphis. Let me point that out first and foremostly. I've spent, I've spent most of my time in Memphis, but right around 1994, 1995, I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that's a long story, but I could tell you about it, but we'll just just drop it there. I went to Tulsa and uh, started playing in a band there with some guys, and we were called Crown Electric, which was a Elvis reference. Like it. Uh, There was a recording studio there. The two guys that I collaborated with there had a recording studio, and they were pretty good. So I spent, you know, three or four years there. And we had, you know, we, we we put out a little tape and whatnot. That, this was this was back before, you know, people could, could make CDs like this. Right, right. With a little bit of effort into, into putting something out, you know, when we got something out on a cassette. And uh, we had some record companies and stuff looking at me. It wasn't anything too outlandish. They didn't send any limousines to pick us up or anything. <laughs> right. But for a minute, for about a split second, we thought we might – man, we're kind of on to something here, but it kind of fizzled out. So from there, about 1998, I moved up where you guys are. That's Uh, right. I lived in Olympia, Washington for Hmm. a couple of years, and uh, I enjoyed it up there. I mean, I was kind of a fish out of water, you know. (laughs) I I don't know how you feel about it, Brian, but I'm just a little too redneck. (laughs) (laughs) People got a pig out of the way I talked and everything, and I made a lot of friends, but after a couple of years there, I came back to Memphis, and um, it was there that uh, I, was, I was up into my 30s by then. I think I was 29 or 30 years old when I got back to Memphis. And uh, that's when I kind of started realizing that, you know, it was probably going to be a long shot for me to, to land any sort of big-time record. The, the record industry really started to go some, some different places at that point, you know. They weren't really just signing a bunch of new bands and handing out a bunch of contracts and all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's when I decided that <clears throat> if I was going to get any music put out, I was going to have to do it myself. So I was lucky to meet up with a guy named Jeff Powell, who oh, yeah. uh, is, a, is a big producer. It, at this point, he's the the vinyl master guru. Yeah. In fact, he, he uh, and we'll get to your academy and all that stuff here in a minute, but he actually Mastered that vinyl. For nice. Us. So, um, just to give you the cliff notes and move on, you know, from there, I went back to I, I made I made a record here with Jeff called Paladora, my first solo album that came out in two thousand and three. Went back to Oklahoma, made two more CDs there. Came back to Memphis for good in two thousand and nine, and I did uh, my second solo album at at Ardent.
1: Yeah, legendary studio. Yeah.
2: Legendary studio. It was. It was. It was. It was a beautiful experience, and um, glad that I got to do it. You know, it just. It just so happened when I came back to Memphis at that time. I, I don't really know how much they're really doing over at Arden at this point. Um, I'm not going to say that it's fizzling out and closing down or anything, but but it's definitely uh, not where it was. Maybe right. in the eighties, first part of the nineties, but they were giving away some some discounted time. So I was able to get in there and, and, and do what I had to do in about four or five or six sessions or whatever we did. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, right around 2010 or so, um, after what, however many years that was, you know, basically my 20s and my 30s, I think I was 39 years old when I decided that, eh, you know, I've, I've made four records um, and, and done a lot. And, and let me just point out, too, that I forgot that the, the second time I was in Tulsa, I had the chance to tour with a guy named Dwight Twilley.
1: Yeah, a pyropop legend, right? That's
2: right, that's right. Had several hits in the 70s and the 80s. It, that was a great experience. Uh, went up to and played Minnesota's big, huge, you know, Bill Street Music Festival type thing. Um, did a couple of some other gigs with him, got to record with him and all that kind of stuff. So that was a good experience. But like I say, at about age, uh, 39, I kind of chucked it in mm, Sure, and uh, I had been doing this and had been doing that. I got a job, uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, d- uh, driving around, uh, delivering dental prosthesis. Exciting. And, oh man. It's just, <laughs> I just can't contain. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I had been drug out here and there. I mean, I'm not going to say that I just sat at home for, for the past ten years. I hadn't necessarily just been sitting at home, but I've been mostly sitting at home. And um, I've been married for 20 years. Uh, no, no children, but I got, like you say, I got, I got all these dogs. You know, but <laughs> anyways, I'm sure y'all might remember the band crash into June.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. It
2: was a, a big group uh, in the in the late. Nineties, first part of the two thousands, and um, the the bass player and kind of the leader of that group, Johnny Norris. You know, he just called me. Well, actually, I went. They have a cover band called Walrus that's been playing around Memphis for years and years and years and years. And they called me up. I think it was in two thousand and eighteen, maybe. And they they said, "Man, come down to our. They have a big Christmas uh, gig every year, and they were at Swanky's Taco. Oh, nice." And they're like, man, come on out, man. Come sing some songs. And, and I was like, sure. So I went out there and sang some replacements and stuff and hung out and had a good time. And and um, on the way home from that gig, you know, I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, I know I've kind of chucked it in, but, man, I, I could really get into playing with those guys. You know, that was really a lot of fun. And, and lo and behold, it wasn't about, about six, eight, nine months later, I get a text out of the blue from Johnny. He's like, man. I'm going to start this new band. I want you to be the singer. Wow. That leads us to my current group uh, called your Academy. And that's power pop, rock, folk rock, you know, all that stuff. And um, yeah, that, that group has, has come a long way in a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. One year's time. I mean, we've, we went from, playing a couple of bars to powell you know we have a, a, an album out on vinyl and uh it's getting a lot of attention a lot of good reviews and everything so I'm, I'm very thankful
0: that's awesome it's on spotify too i listened to it in preparation for this interview it's really good
2: awesome man thank you yeah thank
0: yeah you. did it feel cool to see a record with you on it
1: Do it now? did it feel cool to see an actual record of your band that must be a cool experience
2: Man, I tell you what, it, it was—it was one thing to see it on a CD, but to see it on a, on a real album, I mean, just the this just, you know, it, yeah. I mean, it's—I don't really have the words. It's, it was, it, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's up on my mantle, you know, in, above the fireplace. <laughs> it, as it should be. As and should and be.
1: I just ordered one, by the way. So it'll be—it'll be coming to me soon. And and you—you you were nice enough that. to send me a shirt a couple oh, months yeah, ago yeah. it was too it was too small for my fat ass but <laughs> but uh I could wear it <laughs> my daughter my daughter's been wearing it to school and she's had a lot of people ask and she's like oh it's my dad's friend's band so <laughs> that makes her sound cool <laughs>
2: yeah they, they didn't they they, they, they couldn't uh, find sizes for 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 me either you
1: know? <laughs> well man just
2: Congratulations!
1: You are getting some really good reviews in the press, and it's really exciting. And and I mean, is there is there going to be more more projects for your academy in the future, or do you guys know at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're we're in the process of doing the follow up. Good. And uh, we're I don't know. We've got all the basic tracks done. We've only got you know two songs out of ten, maybe ninety percent done. It's going to be this summer. Oh, good man. Put it out, but but yeah, there's there's there there is a follow up. I I, <laughs> I can't guarantee you know anything past that. I hope I hope we keep going, but we'll just we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, we look forward to it. Yeah, man.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Well, Brandon, it's been great to catch up with you so far. I mean, thanks for joining us here on the Patchwork Jukebox, and between talking with you, and googling you, and listening to you on Spotify, we get to hear a lot about you, but. This is all meant to figure out who are you really? So, we think the answers to a specifically curated list of questions can help us discover that. We believe that will reveal your true self and it'll do it better than anything else by answering the questions specifically about your music preferences. So are you ready to share your patchwork jukebox with our listeners? Do it. All right, man, so here we go. I'm just
1: gonna jump into it. And so Brandon McGovern, What song most makes you think about your childhood? Ooh.
2: Well, even though our heyday was in the 80s, right? That's when we're kind of coming about I'm I'm really uh, uh, sickeningly addicted to the 70s. I really think the 70s. I mean, the 60s was kind of a renaissance and all that. And the 70s, I think, is probably the best musical era, pal a pound right so i generally uh dwell there um probably baker street Jerry rafferty Jerry rafferty Rafferty. wow uh,
1: now why is that was it just a song that was important to your family or what 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 endears it to you
2: well it just seemed like um every time we were on our way to baseball practice or on our way to church or whatever it was every time you got in the car that song was on you know, and I, and I, and I love the song. Don't get me wrong. It's, 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 a, it's a, it's a, and I love Jerry Rafferty. You know, he's uh, uh, in fact, I've often been some of my you know previous stylings have been compared to him slightly, which I can, I can, I can see it.
1: I can see it. Yeah. But
2: uh, yeah, just, it, just it, whenever that, whenever I hear that song, I'm catapulted right back there about, about 1978 or 1979. I don't know. I don't know when the song come out. Yeah. A little bit before that, I'm not real sure. I'd have to look it up on uh, Wikipedia, but...
1: <laughs> That's a great song, though, and it
0: makes sense to me. Really good, good call.
2: It's a good one, it really is.
0: That's perfect. Well, what's the first music purchase that you remember buying for yourself?
2: Well, uh, I remember this vividly. I was a freshman at Kirby, and as Brian pointed out, uh, after my freshman year, I, I split out to Germantown for, for athletic reasons that I won't go into, but... <laughs> uh, but I remember, um and Brian. I'm sure you can remember too. You know that 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 massive change that took place when you were the king of the hill uh, over there at Crump, and then you had to go to high school, and you, you were no longer the king of the hill. So, right. um, but I had a I had a pretty good time uh, my freshman year. But I, you know, th- th- that, that's a tough time. And yeah. I remember, I just couldn't wait. To, to get out to get out of school and get back home, and uh, i I don't remember when this album actually came out. I don't know if it had come out previously or if it had just come out, but and I can't remember how I got the money. I must have mowed some lawns or something or Christmas money or something, but I went and bought play Deep from the outfield. Oh wow, uh, I wore that thing out. I wore that right there.
1: <laughs> now what, I didn't know who, what form was it? Was it a tape? No, nah, it was vinyl.
2: Nice. Yeah, my dad had a real old time. He he eventually got a, a newer stereo that was, that was also the bomb, but this, this stereo had tubes in it and it, it had, Oh yeah. Ooh. Big squared speakers that had wheels on them. You could roll them around and use them as end tables. No, wow. And man, let me tell you, my dad had, you know, not all, he didn't have all the Beatle albums, but he had most of them. And those those albums sounded so good on that stereo. People don't really realize how groovy vinyl was.
1: Right, uh, 100%, I mean, we do, 100%. We
2: do, but, you know, the, the people coming up don't really get that. And I've noticed, yep. I'm sure y'all have noticed too, that, that you do the best you can with these digital mixes and digital, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it just does not sound as good
1: amen brother <laughs> amen. Yeah, yeah. preaching to the choir
2: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. and there you were bumping the outfield yeah, play deep yeah great great record that that's great, great, great record
1: i haven't thought of them in years
2: <laughs>
0: impressive
1: all right well let's shift gears then when you're we're talking about music and songs that take you to a certain place for you what song is it that no matter where you are what you're doing when you hear it you have to dance <laughs> what, what song makes you dance
2: well there's a bunch of those uh I'll go with no matter what, Badfinger.
1: Oh, my gosh. What a good one. Woo.
2: And maybe I want to hold your hand by the Beatles a close second.
1: Well, that's a close second, and, and and obviously both with ties to Apple Records. But but what I think is so funny is the song that makes you dance is from one of the most tragic bands in the history of music. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no matter what by Badfinger. Excellent answer.
0: All right, well, let's shift gears. Go from dancing to crying. Hopefully, you're a crier. <laughs> so, uh, what song either always makes you cry or made you cry the hardest?
2: Um, that's an easy one, Peter. Oh, and it's the Peter Paul and Mary version. It's it's not the. I mean, the John Denver version is fine, but the, the the Peter Paul and Mary version of "Leaving on a Jet Plane" just just tears my guts out.
0: Whoa! What a beautiful answer. I cannot argue with you. I-
2: especially if I, you know, and I, and I don't do, much, I don't do much of this that much anymore, but if I am and you put that song on, you will see me cry. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's perfect. That, that, It's not, you might, but you will see you cry. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. My wife, you know, not, not too long ago, it might've been, uh, when was anyways, we, we were, we were, you know, having, having a few and, uh, my wife stumbled upon that song. I, I let her, you know, I'm usually the jukebox guy, but I let her get on the computer and call up a couple of songs. And she said something about that song. And I said, Nope. Well, you can put that, <laughs> put that song on, but if you stick that song on, you're going to see your husband cry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll make sure next time I come to Memphis, we hang out. I won't play yeah, it. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Well, you know, we're, we're sticking. It is a beautiful song. That's a beautiful song. And, and that. Peter, Paul and Mary version is just, man, they just, they just knock it out of the park. They really do.
1: That's such a good answer, Brandon. That's a musician's answer. For you sure. Know? So, but we're, if we're talking about sad, you know, we all have this, whether it was through personal experience or we were storing it up in case it ever happened. But for you, what's your go-to breakup song?
2: Ooh, probably, um, maybe sad eyes. Going back to the seventies again, Robert John. It was a, it was a one-hit wonder. I think I think he only had one hit, but um, I think it was I think it was a number one song for like nine thousand weeks or something. It was one of those, <laughs> one of those ridiculously and, long number ones songs that just you know all you need is one song, right?
1: That's it. That's yeah. what, and you get your five minutes of fame. And that is obscure. I haven't thought of that song in years, man. That's a good call.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a good little song, too. I mean, it's, 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 you know, sentimental and all that kind of stuff, but uh, it, it's on point.
0: I love it. Well, obviously, you were conditioned from an early age to be an audiophile, what with your dad's stereo being set up, listening to vinyl, falling in love with music early. So, with all that in mind, what album have you listened to the most?
2: That's a hard one.
0: Mm-hmm. We struggle with that too. If
2: only uh, if only uh, uh, somebody could could present you with all the all the songs and all the hours of, of what you've listened to, wouldn't that be interesting, right? Yeah,
0: or depressing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it? it's like, whoa, dude, you're a little you're a little mental, aren't you? You got some. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's a hard one to answer, but I but I but I'm just going to take a stab and, and say probably Rubber Soul, The Beatles. Wow, I love that answer. In fact.
1: That's my favorite Beatles record.
2: When I was a kid, um, my dad had some of the American releases too, and he had one called Yesterday and Today. I don't know, oh yeah, I remember that one. But it was parts of Revolver and parts of Rubber Soul with some singles thrown on there. And man, I tell you what, I, I wore that. I played that record so much, it, it wouldn't play anymore. You know, I, I had wow the, the arms started having problems, and I put pennies on it. You know. <laughs> Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, my dad would always get up, son, you got to quit doing that. You're wearing grooves in the albums, you know, but, but you know, I, I ruined, I ruined that record. I did playing it.
1: Well, that's a good record to ruin. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, actually it's a tragedy to ruin it, but if you have to do it, it's a good album. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, here's the deal so far your answers have been like Mm. oh my gosh this guy knows his stuff so now we're gonna make you like show the side of you that you may you may have been hiding but what song is your biggest guilty pleasure the song that a music file like you may not supposed to like but you just can't help it
2: here we go anything Olivia newton john
1: (laughs) that is amazing dude (laughs) what was it just because you had a crush on her or did you like the music?
2: Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, when, we, when we first moved into this house, I think it was uh, 2015. I just happened to be on Facebook one night and I saw where she was coming to the casinos and me, oh. and, and, me and my wife went down there to Bluesville and, and checked her out and it was awesome. It really, really. She's, I think she's, Seventy one. I mean at that time she was seventy or seventy one or seventy two. She's probably seventy seventy-eight or seventy-nine. I think she's got cancer too, but man, she still looked like a million bucks. I mean, you could tell she was older and her, her voice kind of had a little bit of a a little bit of a crispy little rasp in it, but man, she sang the crap out of those songs. And her band was badass. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it was it was that is so cool. Her band, it was it was great. It really was. I mean and not to speak ill, you know, I, I wasn't really, I mean, Bluesville down at the casinos, I mean, it, it. I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with the actual venue part of it, but yeah. she right. was great.
0: That's amazing. So was it a guilty pleasure for you because it wouldn't be considered cool to listen to her when you were young?
2: Yeah, but I put it up on Facebook a couple times and uh, just goofing around and some people have agreed with me, Some people are like, dude,
0: <laughs> I have like five of her records on vinyl, <laughs> so I feel you. Hello, hello. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I grew up with her poster hanging over my bed. Yeah, <laughs> so.
2: yeah. Yep. Um, well, that wasn't you. that wasn't anything I think you should feel guilty for. <laughs> cool.
0: So, what song do you play when you need to get pumped up? Like you you walk into work, you're about to deliver your dental equipment. Maybe that's not the most exciting thing you're doing today. <laughs> Maybe you'd rather be going to the studio, but you got to do your job. So what song gets you pumped up to go do that thing?
2: Oh, I don't know if, if this song necessarily pumps me up to uh, to do that necessarily, but there are times when I'm around, when I, when I feel a little bit militant, and I put on some Sex Pistols, probably God Save the Queen or or something like that, you mm. know, Holidays in the Sun.
0: <laughs> mm.
2: there's, there's other songs.
0: You're talking Tom's language yeah, now. I, I love it. Love it. <laughs> Hey, You're man. my happy place. Yeah.
2: You know, the, uh, you know, I know, I know that there's, there's there's been a lot of great punk music that's come out and everything, but uh, when I think about punk music, you know, I think about the Sex Pistols. I mean, they they kind of they kind of started it and ended it, really. I mean, it's just hey, nobody man. better than them, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, right. There's post-punk. There's pre-punk. There's new wave. But, and then there's the Sex Pistols. But there's the Sex
2: and Pistols. There's the Sex Pistols. That's right. Yep. What a, dude,
1: you're killing it! By the way, it's this is amazing. Answer. Well, it's kind of similar. What, like, like if you're just pissed off and you're angry, you need to work out anger. What song? What song does that for
0: you?
2: Oh, <clears throat> well, again, maybe, maybe going to uh sticking with the, the with the, the punk. Probably the next best band would be Nirvana. Of course, my wife is a big Foo Fighters fan. You know, she she listens to that quite a bit around the house, um, but. um I wasn't necessarily the biggest Nirvana fan when it was happening, but, 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 you know, since then I've really come to appreciate a lot of it. I really, I really have. Yeah. And in fact, I think uh, come as you are. is probably one of the, one of the greatest songs ever written in that vein.
0: <clears throat> wow. Wow, man, you're making me smile just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to argue with what you're saying. <laughs> well, we're definitely shifting gears now. We're going from anger to something completely different. So, here we go. <laughs> what song is the sexiest song ever made?
2: That's a hard one too. That's a hard one too. But uh, I'll I'll just I'll just uh, throw one out there. "Raspberry Beret," Prince.
0: Ooh, good answer. Good
1: lord,
2: that's so good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Basically, anything Prince did <laughs> is, is like sex on on vinyl. That's right. right.
2: That's right. Anything Prince did. That's right. And and, and I also think. Uh, you know, probably, uh, and this is this is really, really going into territory where you know, just just cruising, or uh, I want to be with you, which was which was a big hit in like 1980. You know, I don't care what they think about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just pure sex, you know.
0: It is a hundred percent. It drips with sexiness. Yeah. It is now that we're old enough to know what sex is, but when we <laughs> were kids, that was just a nice song.
2: <laughs> you, you just dream about it. Really? You just...
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man. Well, look this to me, these next two questions are, might be the hardest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this one to me was really hard because I actually when when Tom and I did this ourselves, I listed a band that I like, but an album I didn't like, mm-hmm. um, and it surprised him. So, uh, in your opinion, not, not that you're calling, maybe you're calling them a bad band, maybe you're not. But what's the most overrated album?
2: Okay, we're fixing to get into trouble. We're fixing to get
0: into <laughs> trouble. Oh, he's going over <laughs> the top.
2: Well. When 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 that freshman year at Kirby, you know, my dad kind of went through a midlife crisis, and he bought one of those little red Fieros. You remember those cars? Oh uh, yeah, goofy looking sports car looking things. They were cool when they first come out. You know, my dad got one of those, and uh, on the weekends, you know, you know, he remember how it was? You know, when you were old enough to drive, and you were just bored to tears and all that kind of stuff. We needed to work some stuff out, so I would get get a hold of that Fiero, and it had the greatest stereo in it. Right. It had speakers like in the seats right here and had speakers on the side. Yeah.
0: yeah I had a
2: cassette deck. It was a pre CD, but man, it just sounded so good. And I had all kinds of mixtapes in there and all the Beatles and all the stuff I had t- and some of the vinyl records and some of the stuff off the radio. And I had a beach boys greatest hits. Right. And it, this was an actual record company. It wasn't, it wasn't a mixtape. It was an actual record company cassette. Uh huh. And, and, I love the Beach Boys, man. I just, you know, I wore that. I played that Beach Boy greatest hits about as much as anything, right? <clears throat> and I would never argue Brian Wilson's genius and the band's genius and everything those guys did. But, and I've oh. sat and listened to it, okay? I've sat and listened to it and I've tried. And I know it's got God only knows on it.
1: Oh, you're breaking my heart.
2: Which is one of the greatest songs ever written. God only knows, rivals, anything, the Beatles, anything anybody ever did. But I just don't get, I just, I've I've tried, but I just don't get the to-do over Pet Sounds.
0: Oh, Oh, you have no idea how big this is. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. Do not give your address out on this podcast. (laughs) Zoom zoom meaning over. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, this, this is why we do this man that was so I mean, good I mean, I,
2: mean, I mean look you know uh I, I know it was brian wilson's uh magnum opus and i know he was trying to do something different and i know he was competing with the beatles and he, he was tired of the car songs and the girl song stuff i get it but i just it's just uh, uh, for me i i don't know what it is it's just a hard listen well that, it's your
1: opinion and you're allowed it. I, guess, I, mean, I
2: <laughs> I could pick other albums that I I think are overrated, but but I chose that one because it just seems to be one that people are constantly talking about and whatnot. And I'm just like, "Mm, okay, all right,
0: (laughs) wow, I love it, I love it. That's hard to follow. You you actually really impressed me and scared me because I'm wondering how many people are going to get into trouble.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's uh, a great uh, answer. uh, Are you ready for Are you ready for another one? Can I follow that up? Go ahead. Can I follow it up? Yeah, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's almost it's almost now settled science, and I feel like I got street cred. Uh,
0: oh man, been, uh, I'm
2: scared already. Sick, disgusting, Beatle fanatic my whole life ever since I was nine or ten years old. But it's now settled science that the Beatles' Revolver is the best Beatles album, and maybe even one of the best albums of all time. And I know it's the Beatles, okay, but I got to tell you guys, there's, and there's a couple of songs on Revolver that, that I would slice off this finger and this finger to, to put my name beside. I'm only sleeping in good day sunshine. But the rest of that album, I don't get it. <laughs> this
0: guy. <laughs> You're bringing the heat. I love it. No, I don't get it.
2: You know, I'm not saying that – I mean, I, mean, I kind of I like Yellow Submarine and um, what yeah. else is on I just I, – I think Eleanor Rigby's on that album. Eleanor Rigby. I mean, I I, I get it, but I I, I, just—I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there are about five or six other Beatles albums that I would put before that one. I guess is what
0: I. That's fair. You're saying it's overrated. Yeah, That's that's exactly what we asked. Yeah, dude, you're you're killing it. This is so good. All right. Well, here's a here's a really intimate song. A intimate question. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Shifting gears, and to rescue you from your. most overrated question. <laughs> what do you think, objectively, in your opinion, artistically, is the best album ever made?
2: All right. I, I Actually, I, I've been thinking about ever, ever it. Since, ever since Brian contacted me about doing this, I've been thinking about that question. Mm-hmm. The, hardest, the hardest one. And, I, and I, mm-hmm. I thought about it and thought about it. I even made a little list. and and looked at the list and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Um, It would be real easy for me to name several albums, you know, dark side of the moon Mm -hmm. before. Um, I think the best Beatles album is Abbey road myself with maybe with a white album, a close second, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with an atypical answer today. And this album I heard I heard this album at just the right time. And not only that, it's it's got to be one of the greatest sounding albums ever. I mean, it's it's perfect, right? It's just you can't get any more more perfect. And I'm going to go with Wildflowers, Tom Petty.
1: Oh, oh my god. Uh, if the reason I say that, you don't even know this, Brandon, I actually it's one of my favorite records of all time. It's me and my daughter's favorite, and I have an, a vi- a blank vinyl on my wall where she painted the lyrics to the the title track on it. So that's amazing.
2: Wow. Yeah, man. I, you know, I I, uh, I don't I don't necessarily have all my facts straight on that particular record. I don't know who produced it or who recorded it or any of that stuff. But whoever did it, and of course, you have to give Petty and the guys credit too because they're the ones that that laid it down. Sure. But that record just it's just, it's just whoever, whoever recorded that record was a, was a genius, you know, to, to end all geniuses, that, that record sounds so good. And of course the song and mm-hmm. everything, you know, all the songs are great. It, it, it just, and, and there's a, there's about what two or three, maybe four songs on that album that just you, you, you listen to it and you, and you immediately have to go listen to it again. You're like, I have to listen to that. Again. Yep. You know, It's just a it's just a great record, a great contemporary record. You know, it's not out of the '60s or the early '70s. It's it's a great. You know, Tom Petty was probably one of the last links, really. To uh,
1: amen. Good answer, man. You made me so happy. Gosh. Well, look, we're almost at the end, and I have you have painted a good picture of who you are. Absolutely. And these last two questions might be the most defining. So let's 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 jump into the last two. And out of all the songs in the in the world, if you had to pick one, what song most defines you, Brandon McGovern?
2: Probably Mother Nature's Son, off of the White album, which is mainly a, a McCart song. But uh, yeah. I didn't really, you know, as, as, a, as a youngster, you know, I didn't really get the White Album until I got into high mm-hmm. school. The Star, and Pepper, and the White Album both. I I was I would try to listen to those as a younger kid, and I'd be like, man, what in the world is this, you know? But by the mm-hmm. time I got into high school, I started, started getting it. I think the first time I heard Mother Nature's Son, I think I, I think I listened to it about 26 or 27 times in a row. You know, I was like, man, that's – it's like my dad said one time, he said, McCarty didn't write that song. God wrote that song, you know, it's, just, mm. it's a good one.
0: God, what an answer. Whew. Well, you're good at this. <laughs> all right. Here's kind of a weird, maybe even a cryptic question, but it's our last question. All right. When your life is over, if the only way you can tell people your story is to leave an album, what record is going to reflect your story
2: man another hard question <clears throat> that was probably the second hardest <laughs> yes, one i had to really think about this one. <clears throat> and i'm and again i made a little list and kind of stared at the list um it would be real easy to cite one of my own albums probably that would be an easy thing to do but i'm not going to do that <clears throat> and here's what i'm going to say straight up from badfinger
1: Wow! What makes you say that?
2: Um, it, that that's that's what that, that you know that album is just just so many songs on there that it's hard for me to sit here and explain it to you. But there's just so right. many songs on that album that I'm like, that's me. That's that's how I, you know great band. I mean, I mean a lot of people pass them off as a Beatle clone, rip off type band. I'm like, no, no. I mean, I think Peter Ham. And all those guys in the group wrote songs, and they wrote great songs. But but Peter Ham, as the sort of the titular head, I mean that guy is, is really deserves so much more credit than he's yeah. given. I mean, I know he he met up a, 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 a sad demise and all that, but um, he really was. Um, I, I, I I don't have the words. He, he was just he was just a, a just just one of the most soulful pop songwriters that, that's ever lived you know? i mean Badfinger. finger you know at, at times you know I, I know they're not better than the beatles i know that but they're just as good they're just as good you know
1: dude i you, you're 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 preaching to the choir because i love bad finger so man brandon i i don't know what to say except for i don't know that we could get better answers than you offered us today I mean, you you carried us from Jerry Rafferty to the Sex
0: Pistols to Badfinger. What a journey. Right. And don't forget Olivia Newton-John in there, too. (laughs) That's
2: right. That's right.
0: That's right. right. So, I mean, if I had to play couch psychologist based on the picture you're painting, you're a music lover. You think outside the box. You're not hemmed in by what has to be popular. Like, you love the Beatles, but you also love Badfinger. You're not ashamed of loving Olivia Newton-John because she's just that good. Not only Mate. that, you had an opportunity to choose your own record as your legacy to leave behind. That's a rare gift that none of us have because you actually have a record to leave behind. But you love music so much you wanted to leave behind a bad, a bad finger record. It tells me that you care about music. So in, in addition to all this... Is there anything else you want to tell us? You want to tell the world about yourself, about your band, about your future, or even about music going forward?
2: Seek out your academy and 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 seek out Brandon McGovern and Brandon McGovern and the Scrafford. If I, if I had to say one last thing, just just love one another, love one another, and uh, always know that that God's God's looking over you.
1: Man, we couldn't thank you more for your time today, my friend. I'm I'm going to be in Memphis this summer. We need that. We need to get together. Absolutely,
2: I, I, that's going to be great. And, and thank y'all so much uh, for having me on. This was this was a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this all week. So, thank you.
1: Right on, man. Well, have a good rest of your Sunday, brother.
2: Y'all too. Y'all too. All right. All right thank you.